Pelotero Pickle, episode 78, college baseball is back, which means we've got wristbands for signs, we've got bat flips, and of course, Tommy Tanks. Let's check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 78, after a one-week sabbatical, we are back. Also back is college baseball. Can't wait get to get into it with our co-host, Chris Calabello. Chris, how are you doing? Hello, Robert. We, uh, I, got a, I got a hat tip. When you see that H slash T on, online, it's a hat tip, if you didn't know that. Uh, I, producer yeah. Patrick dialed in our, our audio right now. You sound tremendous. Good job. Thanks. I had my microphone upside down. So now it's not. It's backwards, not upside down. But thing different no difference so we were busy we were both in florida for similar things and different things but ultimately pelotero focused uh you want to do a recap of what you did um there was sun and warm weather and then i was done and it was over no i'm just kidding uh yeah it was great there was a really cool like little thing we set up obviously being that uh major league baseball is not currently in spring training we had uh we had some fun i think we, we set set up some stuff big shout out to eckerd college eckerd baseball josh beauregard head J-Bo. coach jay bow uh let us have access to the field and um just a bunch of guys that are normally in camp at this time of year that needed places to go things to do uh former name drop brett phillips uh showed up uh, Toronto Blue Jays catcher Danny Jansen, Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Ryan Barucki, uh, Travis Blankenhorn of the Mets, uh, Josh Palacios, Blue Jays, DJ LeMahieu, <clears throat> batting champion. Um, and then as the days went by and information kind of got out that we were there, more and more guys showed up. So, um, yeah, Chris Archer came um, on Friday with Kyle Lewis and Brad Miller. Um, and we missed, you know, some other guys who were working out close by, but it would have been cool if we did it for like two weeks. I think, you know, we could have had some sick pickup games probably, you know, Mankata, oh, my you... guy, my guy, Aaron Sanchez too. That's my guy. That's my brother. Mankata was there as well. Right. Oh yeah. I forgot about him. Big white Sox guy. Yeah. Producer Patrick would have liked that. Yeah. Um, it's so cool. it was cool. We kind of kicked it and did some stuff, you know? did some baseball activities and um, wrapped that around a bunch of meetings and work stuff and Ferb's got a ton of content and that's how it goes. Yeah. I had a, a meetings with uh, one tech company and then one prep school prep school. Yeah. And then sure. One major league organization. So that was fun. Good conversations, good stuff happening all around. So that's good. Um, let's get into the episode because college baseball is back in full effect. Loving every second of it. I tweeted that I hope baseball and softball really take advantage of this time of lockout to just just blast it. Just get out there, create audiences. And I think they're doing that. It's fantastic. So we have a few topics that we're going to run through. First one is Vanderbilt using electronic, they look like smartwatches, <laughs> to do pitch calling so basically uh the pitch the 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 pitching coach dials in look at my bracelet today too my daughter's made a bracelet so i gotta gotta wear it 
Um, they dial in. He, he punches in this thing, and he says, all right, throw this pitch. Throw like a fastball away. And everybody goes like this. It's like uh, in the Matrix when Agent Smith, they, go, they all get the reports, and they, they, they plug in, and they get all the signs. And then everyone knows what's happening. So uh, at face value, I absolutely hate it. I think <laughs> this is like we should do a new segment called We're Getting Old, and we're, yeah. we are now the old men yelling at clouds. At face value, I absolutely hate it. Um, I just, I think stealing signs the right way is part of the game. I think the, the dynamic between the coaches and the players and calling, calling plays and all that stuff, I think it's part of the game. That being said, there were some pretty good takes. Kyle body with driveline had a really good point about how college baseball is absurd with steel stealing signs. They have like full teams of student managers who are dedicating their entire lives to picking signs. Um, it's just, it's so unregulated. So it's, it actually speeds up the game significantly just to do it this way. So I hate it, but I understand it. Tom house had a really good take on it as well. Uh, he, <laughs> he said his quote was reactions. This clip are so divided. We need a better culture in baseball to just try things and give them a chance. Um, another tweet I saw was like, Tim Corbin's pretty good. He's won national championships. Everybody thinks like he gets on stage at ABCA and it's a packed room, but he implements watches and everybody trashes it online. So there's got to be some balance. And the most, I get it. The most thing to do is allow... Uh, I have no problem with the advent of anything, right? It's just a matter... like. What, what are we ultimately doing? Well, you know, you're creating an environment where now the next guy, the people are going to start trying to hack code and, and like break code. And so look, there's a cat and mouse to, to all sports, to anything you do in life. Anytime you're competing with somebody, there's a huge cat and mouse. I have no problem with any of the tech stuff. It's just when it gets to the point where it's kind of over overkill, right? Uh, you know, punching in numbers, just give the guy an earpiece if you really want. Like put the earpiece in like the ACC did. And let the let the pitching coach communicate with the catcher and the pitcher while he's pitching, right? And now, oh, you can hack that too. So no matter what people do, everybody's always going to try to be gaining a competitive advantage. And whether you hate it or not, like this is one of those situations that I I don't it's it's not it doesn't bother me at all. It just looks ridiculous to have a pitcher with you know an iPhone on their wrist, and the same way it looks ridiculous to have a pitcher out there with a a wristband. College baseball is notorious for trying to find a new thing every day, right? Like every year there's a new thing. Every year there's a, whether it's a wristband or, you know, we're doing this or the shifts or helmet taps or whatever, because somebody's trying to creatively create this new vibe or whatever. And that's the problem is like, you can't, there, you can't create in this situation. So it's as simple as what's the best way to give information to your players, right? If you're a coach, you want to be able to have a line of communication to your players while, while they're out on the field. And fr from the standpoint of the earpiece thing, I'm all about the earpiece to the catcher because it allows the pitching coach to have dialogue with his catcher during the game. Hey, this is what we're seeing. This is what I'm seeing. What do you think? You know, almost like a, you know, hey, you, you got the freedom to call whatever you want here, but this is what I would do type thing. Um, See, I don't, I don't like that. I, I think the players go out on the field, they should compete. And I think bigger picture, communication 
is a massive component of being a good baseball team or a good softball team. So when you eliminate that, when when you make it so the players all they got to do is look at their wrist to get a sign, you're, you're just you're you're cutting out a piece of the game that I think is really important and separates teams. Which to me I don't like. I don't like that piece of it. So again, old man, we're getting old. Dot com. Uh, I just don't like that piece. That piece of that element where you're just removing stuff. And realistically, like when we played, I don't think you're even allowed to wear a watch. It'd be like a injury <laughs> thing where they wouldn't even let you wear it. And now you get every player in the field. Coach used to joke around like coach. You get the coach watch, not a player watch. You don't. You never wear a watch as a player. But now we got the. Uh, I and also hate like this. Yeah. Sign comes in looking at this. I just don't like it. I think putting putting numbers down, going to a tap system, the the cards with the numbers seem to make it basically impossible to pick signs because it changes every inning. You just got the thing and you just follow it. So I I don't know. I just so you remember you remember how people used to get anal about the color of your glove, right? You could only wear no two tone gloves ever. Couldn't wear white sleeves. You couldn't wear wristbands if you're a pitcher. You couldn't even have like a an elastic on your wrist or a bracelet or whatever it was. And now we're telling guys to wear football, you know, sleeves and uh, all this jargon, which it's so counterintuitive because 20 years ago it's like, oh, you have a gray glove, you can't pitch. <laughs> and now you got the guy wearing, you know, a full quarterback wristband. It really all depends on what the context is. What are you trying to accomplish? If you're trying to sit here and tell me that you're trying to develop players for what's next and really make them their own man, guys that understand the game and can play the game at a high level, can critical think the game, it it, it stinks because you shouldn't be able to talk to the guy. I used to say I used to say this all the time. If they don't do it in the big leagues, don't do it in college baseball. Right? And I know it's different, right? There's half a million dollar jobs and million dollar jobs for head coaches and they're trying to run, win the rat race and this is the advent of anything in the world where you know you look at it and you say okay the people that are on the forefront are trying to you know stay on the cutting edge and, and figure the next thing out and a lot of times that next thing turns out to be kind of ridiculous I think the size of the thing on the kid's wrist is pretty it's like he's wearing a beeper on his wrist you know it's kind of obnoxious it's so, a pretty big looking device there's just i just want there to be a better way if you're gonna do it from a pace of play standpoint if the coach can just punch it in and everybody's got it and it's you're not switching up signs you're not doing the whole like runner on second base trying to figure stuff out there's nobody in center field with binoculars relaying signs in the dugout there's just i get it i get it i still like it and that's and that's fair i i think it almost We've gotten to a point where everything is so visible in the world. Everything's so public. Everything's so right in your face that everybody just wants to have an opinion about it. And then it turns into this huge dilemma. And it's like, all right, whatever, dude. At the end of the day, they're going to do it whether you like it or not. And I, I agree with you. I think me, the art of, of, of giving signs and getting into into a mode where your catcher and your pitcher are in sync and being able to really like let the game flow and let these guys we're so quick to jump and say 
we have to do this because they're not prepared to do it. What is the objective of anything in life? It's to be better for the next day. It's to learn. It's to grow. It's to be educated. And if we don't allow these people the freedom to think about how to do that on their own, then they're going to become robots. And it's a lot of what we're seeing in the game now is things are getting robotic. Young players are being told what to do. And then it, it, it limits their critical thinking skills on the field and if we do that then we're that's what's really being taken away from the game of baseball right that's the thing that that the game is missing the creativity the creative brain and a lot of this new school stuff is whether it be analytics or watches or whatever like whatever it doesn't matter we're we're just by by creating better technology i think we're, we're reducing athletes freedom to really sit there and self-evaluate and, and, and create their own stories in their head that are what, you know, allows them to become the best version of themselves. I was just talking to Getty about it this morning. It's like, what are we doing? Like, what do we do? You get lost because young people only have so much bandwidth. There's no perfect blueprint to, to say, this is how you need to develop as a player, right? But what I've learned is that if we don't let people take their lumps, if you don't get kicked in the teeth, you don't get punched in the face at some point, it's a lot harder to learn. You learn you, you learn better through failure. You don't learn through bribery. You don't learn through reward systems. You learn by getting punched in the face, you know, because losing sucks way more than winning is good. And I, it, in a lot of ways, it just eliminates paying attention because it, it just delivers yeah, it to you. for sure. As a shortstop, I'd always look in, get the sign. I'm relaying the sign of the outfield. There's this whole communication loop that just gets eliminated it's sped up for sure i don't like it but i get it uh next topic with with college baseball back bat flips are back we had a pretty epic walk-off homer bat flip uh the, i think it's the jaguars i think it's the southern jaguars it was a team lefty hits a homer I'm pretty sure it was the first game of the season or first game of a series or tournament. Massive bat flip. I don't even know if the bat flip I'm watching right now. Watches it, looks at his dugout, little bat flip. Then he, the bat flip, the bat flip yeah. was tiny. He just kind of, but then he turns, the, the opposing team was in the, the third, first base side dugout, and he gave a little, uh, gave a little wave goodbye to the, the visiting team or the, the team he just walked off. So, my take was that if you're going to show somebody up, you might as well go after the whole team. I would rather see a guy show up the entire team than just a pitcher. And he's, I mean, he just walked him off. He said goodbye. I don't know what the, I don't know what the game dynamic was like. I don't know if there's history between these two teams. I don't know anything, but to turn and wave goodbye to the team, that's, it's a lot, but if you're going to do it, do it. And then if they come and fight you, don't be upset about it, but you might as well go after the whole team. I thought that one was tight, dude. If you walk it off, dude, take your pants off at home, but I don't even care. You walk off, you do whatever you want, homie. It's opening day, energy's high, emotions are high. The, the ump, what's the umpire doing? Screaming. Umpire, go, He's screaming just at Just go home, umpire. What are you doing there? Go home. Nobody needs to see you. Go away. Run in the clubhouse. The game's over. Like, I, I am so into celebrating big moments things that are good i have a problem when it gets to be showing off for showing off sake right 
That's not showing off for showing off sake. Like, that kid just disrespected that team's entire families. Like, all of them. Their uncles, their aunts, everyone. And the homer, like, when he hit the homer, it was it was cool. Like, he leaned on him. He's like, I know I got you. I'm going to stand at home plate. He didn't throw the bat into orbit. He didn't do, like, a whatever. And what it all comes down to at the end of the day, dude, can you deal with the consequences, right? Can you deal with the consequences of your actions? That's it. Nothing else matters. We talked about unwritten rules last year and with all the Tati stuff and all this other stuff. It's like, dude, can you deal with the possible repercussions of what just happened? It was the same thing when when, when uh, Rodriguez and Correa got into it in the playoffs, right? Or, or and Cora was yelling at him. Like, you have no idea of knowing how that's going to play itself out. But you just don't want to wake up sleeping giants. You don't want to give people more motivation. You don't want to light another fire. And I, it's a lot of what's happening today it's surface level because you're not thinking about the consequence of your actions right you're not thinking about how it impacts the guy on the other side so i look you hit a walk off dude do whatever you want i don't care i i really liked it i thought the my least favorite part about that video was the umpire getting involved just go home dude nobody needs to see you yeah game's ours like, make sure you touch on plate and get out of there go get your even Screw that. You hit it that far. I don't even need you to touch on plate. Good job, man. Nice swing. I'm leaving. I want to watch what happens. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very anti massive bat flips when the the game do, it doesn't matter to the game. Like you're out, you're up eight nothing, and you hit a homer. You're down twelve two. You hit a massive homer. You you celebrating like it means something. So this one, yeah, context matters. I would love to know more about the situation and how that whole game played out. Like if that guy punched out three times and the team was chirping at him hard. And then he walks him off and he gets to say goodbye. Okay, that's I, I kind of like it. Kind of like it. Any anytime you do anything, right? I don't like when your words are directed toward the other team. I just don't. I don't like when your words are directed toward the other team because when you start running your mouth, you say something stupid, and it happens often, right? You just you read you, you end up redirecting your your energy that should be focused on your guys. And look. Once you get to the pro level, you you start understanding. <laughs> I was watching uh, I was watching Northeastern play down in uh, in Florida while I was there at the before I left. It was Northeastern Marshall. And it's funny because you hear all these guys, "Hey, energy, energy, energy." I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Energy in the dugout? Like, it doesn't. It's not going to impact the game one way or the other. Like, literally, being loud in the dugout or standing up in the dugout, it's not going to impact the game. Now, maybe you can help motivate your teammates by being loud and engaged or whatever. But I, I think a lot of the times it's it's almost counterintuitive where you sit there and you go, all right, I want to get everybody amped up, but we're not playing an amped up game. So, you know, hey, nice job, man. Like you can cheer for your teammates without being obnoxious or absurd or whatever the, the thing is. Um, in situations like this, dude, when, when you end a game and you do something cool i'm down with it and the wave was like see you man <laughs> I, not my jam like i wouldn't do it because i would be thinking about what's next right i would always be thinking about the next chess move or the one down two moves from that but i thought it was swaggy i thought it was super swaggy <laughs> he looked cool when he hit that ball i wish the umpire hadn't gotten involved and i'm proud of the kid for not really responding to the umpire i guess in some way yeah, he was he was way more concerned about his wave. As in the moment, I wonder how premeditated that was. It has to be. To, it, they all have to be premeditated to be able to 
to to get there. Right? You have to learn how to to pimp a homer before you actually do it. Because if not, you're too excited, right? <gasps> so you had to be thinking about it. You had to be thinking about the moment in your backyard. I remember the first time, uh, the first time I hit a homer on a big field, I was like, <gasps> and I yeah, you just go start fast. running. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I want a helmet tap. So you, you literally have to play them out your head. Mine was a helmet helmet grab at second base. I, yeah, you get that from Carlos Pena. Yeah, Carlos Pena. Gracias, Carlo. So th- this kid had a couple. So we uh, we had one segment about Fernando Tatis, and he had like 13 different things he did rounding the bases. This kid did the stand and stare, casual bat flip, wave to the wave to the dugout. He did a salute to his third base coach. Uh, they didn't show him rounding third. A slow step side shuffle around third or whatever. Yeah, and then he did the helmet launch, which he threw it pretty high. I didn't see it come down in frame, so. I always wonder where the helmet's going to lay. Like, imagine if you threw it up and hit the umpire. That'd be yeah, game's over, but do you get tossed? I don't know. Uh, you just need to be authentic. It can't be forced. Forced things suck. Like, when things are forced, you can tell. When they're authentic, you're good. And, I mean, probably, like, maybe let's not cross the threshold of having a different thing between every base. That's a little much, no? Let's just run the bases, touch home plate. For the brand. It's all for the brand. Brand so, for the grand. <laughs> let's uh let's get into Tommy Tanks right now because this man uh I said I said he's a mashup between Mike Napoli and Vlad Jr. From a swing standpoint, he's got some Vladdy actions. From just a body standpoint, stature, he's Mike Napoli. And beard. Can you imagine having a beard like that when you're a freshman in college? No, I can't do it now. I'm thirty eight years old. <laughs> So this dude, this dude hit nine homers in his first eight college baseball games. He is a IMG national team guy. He's got known power. He's like a PGL American. All the you know, all that stuff, all the accolades. Dude hit nine homers in eight games, and they're all big part of the field. I tweeted about that. It's getting a lot of run. It's uh, that tweet is going crazy right now. He's just doing his thing. He's doing it. What do you got on this guy? First of all, college baseball had a massive opportunity this year to really entrench themselves into pop culture. And it needed an icon to do it. He's your guy. So perfect storm of events. And here's this guy that's got a chance. He's on pace for 946 homers this year. So that's good. Um, yeah, I mean, he he's literally... You know, people want to talk about NIL stuff and the opportunities that are that are coming to other sports. This is what college baseball needed. You need an icon to be able to grow. So kudos for embracing the moment. I'll tell you what, the most impressive thing to me is when I was a freshman in college, I had the awareness of the lamp that's sitting in this room. I was about as bright as a dark sky when it came down to it. So that's counterintuitive because I said I had the awareness of a lamp, but I'm as bright as a dark sky. So it's bad. But I give him credit for not letting moments speed up on him. Because if you have a three homer game in your first game in college, like high likelihood you're, you know, over energetic, yeah, squeeze the bat too hard, think you're the man. But this dude stayed the course, man. And it's pretty impressive. I mean, it's two weekends, but. Kudos to him, man. I got nothing to do but clap. And uh, professional approach as a hitter. Um, I had talked to some people that had recruited him, that were trying to get offers out to him, 
three or four years uh, ago, and uh, everybody said professional approach and light tower power. So the reason why it's happening is because he uses the big part of the field, Bobby, and you don't find too many young hitters that are capable or willing to do it, and obviously he has the ability to leave to that side, which I think a lot of hitters do at this point in the generations of hitting where it's just like metal bats, physicality on, on college dudes is different now. So I'm, uh, I'm all in, but I just, you know, I, you need to really, what we need to see is what happens when, if he fall if, and when he falters, right, he's going to go through a stretch where it doesn't go so good. And, um, How's he respond? And to this point, he hasn't showed me any reason why he wouldn't respond well. So, you know, I'm in. One of the coolest things watching him is how fired up he's getting for his team. Like coming across home plate, hyping up his team, going crazy. When I was a freshman, I was so afraid of doing something wrong. I would, I, the game was happening so fast. So that's the most impressive thing to me. Like, yeah, the homers are amazing, but he feel to feel so comfortable to be able to do those things. There are certain players. I was just trying to look up stats for uh, my – we had a freshman come in named Miguel Magras. The kid could just rake, just smash. And he just showed up, and he was just – it was not a big deal. This kid, Tommy Tanks, just – he belongs immediately. Maybe he belongs in a different tier. But this kid belongs, and he's doing it, and he's embracing it. And he, it's just – to me, that's as impressive as the homers, just feeling comfortable, knowing you belong, feeling comfortable enough to show emotion and hype up your the, squad. It's, it's the really right cool. Emotion. Yeah, it's presence is definitely it's, – it's there's a mature presence there that is allowing him to, to believe and trust in his, own, in his own stuff, which is really cool to see because, to your point, I, it's so easy in today's day and age to get caught up in, like, am I doing enough? Am I the – you know the guy or is, is everybody looking at me and you know whatever and it's just it looks like he's very much within his own skin and and believes in what he's doing and uh you know one bad at bat's not leading him down a bad rabbit hole and i mean has there ever been a, a better start to a career at any level for that matter not just college baseball <laughs> it's your first time dude your first time you're like a little bit nervous you know, I guess if you play on the IMG national team, you're you face some dudes, and you know, going to the ACC isn't that big a deal. Now, granted, they haven't run the gauntlet yet either. It was what was it? First weekend was like uh, somebody not in their class, and then Quinnipiac this past weekend, a couple of midweeks. But it doesn't take anything away from the fact that no matter you, you could be facing little league pitching, and that's hard to do. They played Evans, Evansville, High Point, Longwood, and Quinnipiac. Yeah, they're averaging like 14 or 15 runs a game right now. So, yep. um, I really don't care. I mean, there nobody else on this team hit nine homers. So, yeah, I, <laughs> it's anywhere has ever hit nine homers. Yeah. What are you talking? So he, let me. I'm going to check right now. He has nine homers. Next on his team is two. He's like Darren Ruth in 2012 in so Double the, A. The whole team has 18 homers through eight games, and he has half of them. He's 29 homers and 29 RBI in eight games. Is that good? What are we doing? He had nice season this these two weeks, kid. A sweet year. He could just literally shut it down the rest of the year and be fine. I mean, I I hope he keeps going. I hope he has a monster season. It's just, 
Trezza told me after game one, he said he had him hitting. He, when he was recruiting him, he said, this kid's going to hit 45 homers one year. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then now I'm, I mean, he's he's like, he's going to hit 20. He's over pace. He's over, he's over pace. It's crazy. It's wildly impressive. And the, somebody asked me, like, oh, what do you got on this kid? Why is he having success? I'm like, I, I haven't seen his at-bats. I don't know what, like, his takes look like. I know we've been tech, we've been talking about this privately. We haven't seen him hit a fastball in yet, so we'll see what happens when guys start challenging him. I don't know what the lineup protection's like. He's getting a lot of pitches over the plate, and he's not missing. If yeah. you threw me those pitches, I wouldn't hit nine homers. He believes in what he's doing, man. Like, that's the thing. Like, uh, we could give a scouting report all we want, Bobby, and it's it's not going to matter it, as long as he stays the course, right? And that's what he's done to this point. Like I, lefty flip, I, you know, I we I have we have a guy that plays a Quinnipiac, so I I was literally just hey, tell your pitchers to do this, and they didn't execute, and they're scared to do it because the thing that you have to do to get good hitters out is go in hard, right? Like we all know that. You get to the professional levels, like guys aren't guys aren't afraid to commit to the fastball in and. And get somebody off the plate, off the plate, get their feet moving. But like this dude, worst thing you do is you hit him, and then he's not. Yeah, Quinnipiac hit him in in, in the early in the, in the in the series, and he still hit two bombs that day. So <laughs> I don't know what they hit him with. I was watching the game on and off, and but you know you got to you got to you got to instill some alpha in in that dude like you got to take the alpha away from him somebody's got to go be the alpha on the mound i tell people this all the time about scherzer like i get on the mound and i'm like well it's clear who's winning that relationship you know and he does that with most most hitters he faces cuz he just doesn't back down and you're seeing it in this kid right now where the pitchers are you know they're all they all know who he is i i'm like i said when they get in the acc play and you know, you get a guy who, you know, is a first rounder coming up. It'll be interesting, but uh, certainly exciting. Does he have the opportunity to replace Tommy in your life? Can he be the next Tommy for you? Heck no! All right, ain't nobody gonna take over for Tommy. I had to try. I had to try. Come on, bro. All right, next we've got the Arkansas baseball coach talking about shenanigans. Shenanigans. So immediately I want to go Farva. Hey, Farva, what's the name of all the goofy shit on the walls? Shenanigans. Um, great reference. If you're not old enough, you won't get it, but watch Super Troopers. So his basic, the basic premise behind this is some teams are rowdy, some teams chirp, some teams get loud, and he's like, I just want my guys to go out and play. But he will let the guy, he will turn them loose if the situation's right. And... I had to do I have a quick story about this. My senior year of college, I was doing this uh, management class for, for business school. So I interviewed my coach uh, in terms of leadership, and I was really surprised at how he considered the energy and the flow of the team because as a player, I just didn't even notice it. I just thought I thought it just whatever was happening was happening. But he was giving, he was citing specific examples of when he was trying to push guys, when he was trying to like corral the team and get them focused and like very aware of that dynamic. And I think with what this guy's talking about, just understanding like you're here to play baseball. If the other team is going to try to get riled up to try to steal a game, I think in the college game, you can steal games with emotion, but just go out and play. And a lot. This is some like pro mindset versus college mindset. So there's some dynamic there. But uh, what do you got on shenanigans? 
Where does competitive advantage come from? It can come from a lot of places. Okay, but generally speaking, if you had to if you had to pinpoint what is competitive advantage, I would right? say I would say like having the confidence that you know you're better. Period. Okay. Like period. Cool. Or knowing you can compete. General rule of thumb, I'm doing something that nobody else is, right? I have a competitive advantage because I'm doing something nobody else is. Everybody chirps. Everybody runs their mouth. It's your actions that matter, right? And and when you cross the line from I'm on my guys and I'm trying to pump my dudes up to making it about the other guy and his failures and they're just putting negativity out in the world, right? Putting negative, you're literally calling somebody out. Dude, them be fighting words, man. Them be fighting words. Like, I would never want somebody in my dugout to do something that if you were in a dark alley somewhere, if you said it to somebody else, you're about to get punched in the face. You know what I'm saying? And and the problem is we live in a world where that's not okay anymore, right? Like you just, like you don't, we don't talk about punching people in the face. Like nobody gets in fights, and they do, but they're just much more public and you know hypercritical, and people you know don't want you know conflict. Sport is conflict, right? And a lot of times when you're dealing with you know, men and rugged men who are get caught in this emotional battle. And this is why the emotional stuff should probably stay out of it pretty often. You're going to cause the person on the other side to be really angry. And that anger can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. So when you're in the dugout and you're doing stuff and you're, 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 you're trying to, to build a team concept focus on on your group focus on your group nothing should be directed at the other guys nothing because then you make it personal or you make it personal to somebody right and when it gets personal that's when you cross those lines of you know what are we trying to do here are we trying to shatter somebody else or are we trying to build ourselves up and that's the problem i have with it so i, I agree with them completely right it's like where's the line what's the line that you cross like do whatever you want for your own guys you know the 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 idea that 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 noise is energy and that noise is engagement noise is focus is is wrong right if it's, it's not, not real if it's not real and authentic then you're just you're being fake and it's you're not gonna get any benefit the hey guys let's get up like, <laughs> If there isn't a real sense of urgency, if you're not truly dialed into the game and paying attention, and it doesn't mean you have to be up to be engaged. Some some players you can trick. Some players you can fool into energy. Let's call a spade a spade, right? There is no shot that any human being during a baseball game should be locked in from the first pitch to the last pitch without going somewhere else at some point during that game there's very limited time during the game where there's activity, right? So do I care if you're energetic between innings? No. Talk about what you're doing for dinner, where you're going to a movie. Just don't cross that threshold of, okay, you know, it's the second pitch that the starter's throwing and I really want to get an idea of how he's attacking my guys. There's plenty of time in a game to, to kind of take a step back, let your mind clear and reset your focus for the next pitch, the next pitch. 
paying attention is not it's not binary it's not this thing where you like have to be like all the time because that's not sustainable we talk about it all the time the emotional side's not sustainable in the game that's why in the big leagues they don't do it because you play 162 that's why you can't like it it's the difference between the nfl and 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 uh major league baseball it's the difference between the nba and major league baseball it is not sustainable to 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 run the race with high energy for 162 when you're at the stadium 12 hours a day you, you you've got to have times where you sharpen your sword right like where you pull back like it's the the, the axe story the guy you know the guy's they're trying to they're in an axe competition they got you know whatever two days to cut it cut down as much wood as possible and there's like these eight guys and seven of the eight just keep chopping wood chopping wood chopping wood and one guy takes a break every like three hours or four hours and they're like what are you doing and they're all laughing at him like and he ends up winning the competition they go he's like i was just sharpening my axe man if you sharpen the axe like you're going to be able to give more to individual moments right like you have to step back and say okay I'm going to have my thing that, that allows me to reset and, and then I'll be able to get better focus in the moments when I need to. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We have a bad beat of the year nomination. Wright State at Georgia Tech. They're up 8-7 in the bottom of the ninth. Base is loaded, one out. Fly ball to deep center. So it's going to be a sack fly to tie the game. The wind's blowing from left to right. Center fielder kind of drifts on it, drops a ball, two-run score, game over. Sucks. It's a tough, a tough loss, tough way to lose. Center fielder probably feels worse than anybody. Uh, any bad beat stories for you, or have you seen a bad beat this year that can compete with that? Um, Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac being up 10-5, I think going in bottom of the eighth. And then just giving it up. That's not fun. The walk off, the walk off timeout call for uh, Eastern Carolina was pretty tough. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to lose. A lot of ways to yeah. lose games. I said this but, yesterday. I said good teams find a way to win. Bad teams find a way to lose. Thank you very much. At the end of the day, it's gonna play itself out. How it plays itself out, right? It, that sack fly. If he catches the ball, whatever. Like they, they still get a chance to score. You still gonna make pitches. There's only gonna be two outs and run around third, whatever. We always talk about this in college baseball, right? Just find a way to manage the game. Find a way to not give it away. Find a way to not allow the crooked number, right? Crooked numbers happen in, in baseball more often than not because people make mistakes. The other teams make mistakes. They give away free bases, right? They, they Whether it's an error, a walk, a hit by pitch, a pass ball, whatever. Like don't, That's why crooked numbers show up. Because if a, a really good hitting team is going to hit 300, right? 290 in college, 300. It's still hard to score runs via 300. Like, it's still really hard to put up crooked numbers. The crooked numbers happen when, you know, call it the bloop and the blast or, you know, walk, walk, homer, walk, walk, double. And every mistake begat another in uh, in college baseball. So it's how do you slow the game down enough to make sure you make the next play? Because the, the mistake doesn't matter. At the end of the day, everybody's going to make them, you know. And then... You know, you magnify the one in the bottom of the ninth. The, the East Carolina thing is ridiculous, the timeout. And I feel bad for the kid because I know the feeling of running around the bases, getting into the celebration, heart rate goes up, you think it's over, and then, oh, just kidding, you got to go back up to bat. The worst part about that one was they were out of the next inning. They had they got the ground ball to short to be out of the inning, and they threw, they threw a kid out at home plate with one out. 
Um, that would have been the go-ahead run. And then they get the ground ball, and he threw it away. Um, it's like, how do you, how do you, th this is why riding the emotional wave is wrong. Because if you try to ride the emotional wave, and if it goes, when it goes this way, ain't nothing stopping it. Nothing stopping the roller coaster on the way down. On the way up, you know, gravity's got you. <laughs> but when you're coming down, dog, ain't nothing stopping that fall unless somebody just steps up and says, guys, it's okay, we're just going to go play. That was and, the uh, the Quinnipiac game. It was tough to watch. And this is not an, it was, it, they, are, they are the example, but I'm not trying to like talk bad about their team. But sure. it was like a ground ball to short. Kids' feet just kind of got mixed up. It's like you just need to make the obvious play. You need to slow down. Don't let the game speed up. Because everyone has that feeling when, when it speeds up. It's like the ball starts moving faster. Your, your feet start going faster. Your hands start going faster. And you just, you just don't catch the ball. So the, yeah. the shortstop made an error. Then there was a play to first. And the first baseman like ended up falling on the ground and like trying to flip the ball behind him. And it was like, how did you even end up on your back? It's like a ground ball to first. And you're just... It's hot potato. Answer. It's hot potato. It's like can't yeah. everything's going so fast. And I like we we talk about this with players all the time. Where like have those conversations. Like we all know what that feels like. It sucks. So how do you manage it? You take deep breaths. You talk to your teammates. Position yourself well, and just don't compound your errors. Because when that happens, then big numbers come up. That's yeah. that's when it, it really gets out of hand. Quinnipiac got NC State. They got NC State yeah. the other day. And it's very they, typical. High energy. Very typical for a school to go down. Like the Wright State kid. Like they that's an Ohio team. They're they're playing in a gym. They're not out on a field taking fly balls, running into the warning track, thinking about you're gonna crash in the wall with the wind blowing the ball sideways. It's a tough play when you haven't been outside in a big moment. It's just tough. It's tough. It's the the mid majors, you know, it's it's the old paradigm of, you know, are you looking at the name on the front of the jersey and letting it affect you? You know what I mean? Are you letting the name on the back of the jersey affect you? It's, you just got to play, man. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. Just play. If you just play, then you're okay usually, right? If you're not, our brain can do some really nasty stuff to us, man. And that's what it comes down to is, you know, it's the first time you're in the big leagues, the first time you're in AAA, the first time you get drafted, the first time you're in college, First time you're outside, it, it's you got to get past that. And, and and the thing that I I talk about all the time is experience is wisdom, right? Like experiencing the moment is what allows you to manage it the next time, manage it better. That's the only way you figure it out. Like they're they're, they're few and far between the ones who can just walk into a situation and, and feel comfortable with it. The Tommy Whites of the world, the you know Joey Rubens of the world. Like he was about to get redshirted, and then four four games into the season, they say, "Hey, you're hot." And he goes, okay. And then in his first college start, rolls off his couch, hits a double. You know, a lot of guys would be looking at that at bat and going, oh, my God, I got to play really well today so that I get, you know, I keep getting opportunities. And he was like, whatever. You know, just go play. Just go play. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you just got to be Oh, good. and by the way, there was another bad loss. Boston College was up 11-1. Lost 17-16 last weekend. Um, what was the most – the worst one I had in college, there were some bad ones. Um, I have two from high school, back-to-back -back games. I forget if I told that story before. I I was up 10-2 one time in the first inning. Scored 10 in the first. Lost 15-11-5. Uh, and five. Did you um, That whole game you guys knew you were going to lose too, I bet. Oh, yeah. We were terrible. Um, no, but you just know. It's like a freight train coming. You just can't stop it. 
well, it's, there's a palpable energy. It's the same thing I was talking about when you when you're playing against a team that you think is better than you. Like you just you're waiting for the bad thing to happen. You know what I mean? That is uh, such a good way of saying that. Yeah, you're. you're it's that, perfect that segue my... too. Perfect segue. Yeah. So, Matt Pagney. Apologize if you say, I'm saying your name wrong. Pagney. So he said, "This is a quote. Things will go. This will go over a lot of people's heads. Sometimes in capitalization capped. Sometimes home runs are rally killers. Sometimes a seeing eye single packs a bigger punch. Sometimes bigger isn't always better." And I completely wholeheartedly agree with that. There's a there's a faction of the baseball community that thinks, home, like, they I feel like they just don't understand the game, <laughs> where the home run becomes the clean slate. The home run is a reset, and it's like you got a team and there's people on base and it's the here we go again. It's you're waiting for the bad thing to happen, as you just said, and then a home run happens and you're like, okay, let's start over. It's like hitting the reset on the video game and you're good. And then you relax and it, it stops the speed up. It stops the emotional tailspin and you relax and you start playing the, the game again. You don't have to worry about the hit and run. You don't have to worry about a guy tagging up and taking an extra base and having to make an extra throw. Yeah, 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 dude. I, I mean, but so many people are very upset at this guy for yeah, making but, that comment. The analytics world is telling you that a three run homer is the only thing that's good. Oh, true outcomes. Walk, strike out, home run. Like, dude, stop it. Stop. Baseball is a game of moments. Like, there is no scenario on the planet where a one run homer, when you're up nine to one or down nine to one, is more valuable than a CNI dog up the middle with the winning run on second and the tying run on third in the ninth inning. Right? There's no, there's no planet where that's true. None. Zero. Of course, hitting a homer would be a cooler way to finish, but the circumstances didn't allow it. The circumstances didn't. I, I was having a conversation about this yesterday at lunch with Ferber and, and, and Virgil. And I, I said, Ferbs, there's only one true perfect outcome in hitting. It's hitting a home run. That's it. That's the only true perfect outcome. And the true perfect outcome doesn't happen all that often, right? Even the best guys can only do it one every nine or ten at bats the best know, in the world ever and it right like except for except for, except for tommy, tommy tanks <laughs> tommy tanks hits one one every other at bat the, one out the, of four yeah the reality is the game is comprised of a bunch of moments that aren't perfect and like learning to exist within those and learning how to thrive from them and how they can change energy and dynamic. This is why hitting against the shift in the middle of a big league season is going to matter. It does matter. They want to tell you it doesn't. They're wrong. They're, and they're not even saying that it, it it's not good. But what the algorithms and the formulas are doing are saying, they're, they're putting a value on it. They're trying to objectify it. I tell minor league kids this all the time. I said, listen, these guys can tell you all they want. They want you to swing in this zone. They want you to do damage on this pitch. But I'll tell you what, they ain't never going to argue with no 330, dog. They can't. They can't argue with 330, homie. Like, you want to go to the next level? Bang, dude. Like, bang. Don't worry about the shit that you swing at. Go bang. Like, that's it, period. End of story. Like, and to bang, you got you to gotta scratch one out. You got to get your, your accidental knocks. You got to hit your swans out in front of home plate. They get your emotions right. 
You know, Mikey Alt was talking about the other day. He said, you know, the year, the, his year in, in, uh, that he raked in, in double A or, or higher or whatever it was, you know, the swinging bunt got him going. It just changed the dynamic of the season, went 80 for his next 200 or whatever it was. It's like, dude, th- those moments, those are compete moments. Those are grimy moments. Those are the moments that define you as a player. So they have to happen because they just change your mindset. They change your psyche. They change your energy, you know? I've I've thought about our our episode with Bobby Magallanes so many times in his yeah. stories about how words can can just change who you are. They just can change who you are, like instilling belief in somebody, making them understand they can be better with words. No mechanical changes, no weight room time, no extra reps. Literally, like words can make you better, and it's so powerful. Um, specific to this tweet, though, I, I just think of times when. Like the pitcher just can't get a guy out. If you've ever pitched and like guys are just sticking their bat out and the ball is falling, no matter where they hit it, it's falling. So that to me, uh, the home run rally killer is the reset. It's all about momentum and it's all about the flow of the game and and who's riding the wave in a moment. And that a bloop single can be more demoralizing than a homer. Depending on the situation. And yeah, it's not going to score a run necessarily. But no, there's no clock in baseball. So that momentum can swing. There, There's moments where you can't get an out. The whole team becomes incapable of making a play. The pitcher becomes incapable of throwing a strike. It's just, you can't, just, like it, you just break. Like your brain breaks, your skills break. And you can't do anything. And it's the most helpless feeling in the world. And sometimes a homer is like, all right, let's start over. The Texas, and people don't understand that. I don't know. They don't understand that. The Texas Rangers couldn't catch the ball. I watched one of the thirty teams. They couldn't catch the ball. Couldn't do it. Couldn't catch the ball. And I, I'm I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I can see it manifesting itself. Like when 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 Moreland that was such tr- a baseball god thing. When yeah. when he hit the when uh, when Martin hit the bat of um, what's his name Chu. Sh- yeah. So he's throwing the ball back to the pitcher, hits his knob, like chaos ensues. Baseball gods are like, we got you. And we, we got you. Think about the the emotions of baseball there, right? Think about, you know, a 45-minute delay in the inning and all this stuff is happening and it's just, it's building. It's all building. The crowd's loud. They're throwing stuff. The umpires are nervous. The players on the field are just so engaged and they don't like Tulo's yelling and people, this is guy. And you're just sitting there going like, man, this is crazy. Like, how do I, how do I slow down when everything's going fast? And, and you just sit there and you, you do the best you can and, and try to manage it. And thank God we were the home team there because <laughs> we had all the energy from the crowd. They were, they were building off every moment, but these guys, they couldn't catch the ball. The first error, would have been no big deal, right? Would have been literally no big deal. Make the next play, you're fine. But that was, that was what I was talking about. Like it's like your eyes stop working. Your your hand eye coordination breaks down when you get into that that spin cycle in your brain. Yeah, because if you just took all the elements away and put that play in a vacuum, they make it every time. Like you just make it every time. But it's the circumstances going on around it. And the funny thing is, is College ba- a college baseball weekend, Quinnipiac playing NC State or Evansville playing, you know, Alabama or, or UCLA or whoever it is, th- like that, 
they play that like it's their World Series. When we played Duquesne and beat them one nothing in our first game of the year, that was our that was my college World Series. That was that was the biggest moment I was ever going to get to have in college. And we found a way to embrace it. We scored one run and won the game because the dude on the mound embraced it through a hundred fifty five pitch CG and struck out fifteen, like on opening day. Legal. That's illegal now. Yeah. So like, you sit there and you go just embrace like if you just embrace the moment and say like this is going to be the most fun i'll ever have and i don't have to worry about the outcome forget it dude forget it like you you think you'll do things that you didn't think you're capable of but if you're sitting there worried about what's going to happen like all the bad things that can happen and it's a human thing to do don't get me wrong it's it's very human it's very normal to dude i've been to that place where i was like oh my god i don't know what happens if i do this plenty of times hundreds of times thousands of times and the key to the whole thing is learn how to manage that side of your brain and it's it's a tough that's such a we need guyer back on to talk about some of his stuff with the mental skills yeah. and it's almost like you got to make the game boring in those moments yeah. like yep done this a million times no big deal like i can do it yeah. i did it before i can do it again i will do it again being prepared for moments like that emotionally is so important yeah, I, lo- I love this type of conversation. It fires me up. Yeah, these are the conversations that nobody's having anymore. These are the conversations. The analytics don't think about these things. I don't. I don't think people are incapable of having them anymore. But they're trying to. We, we live in a generation where long form discussion, uh, critical thinking talks, they just happen far, far less often. People want to talk about attention spans and you know, how media is being delivered. And like, we're not giving young people an opportunity to have these discussions. And look at the travel ball level, at the amateur level, you're incredibly limited with your time, your efforts, your, your, how much you can put forward to your athletes. But these are the things that matter. You have to give kids a chance. You have to give them a chance to hear this stuff. If they don't, they'll never become the best version of themselves. They, They can't, they literally cannot. Focus on the things that never change. I, it's like with Peltero, all the stuff that we're doing from an education standpoint and all the infrastructure we're building about creating these moments so that we can deliver these messages matters. Ain't that the truth. Post-show, any new lockout situation, any rumors, anything going on for the, from MLB standpoint? So my sources tell me, Bobby, that, uh, you know, we're going backwards. We ain't going forwards. Really? Yeah, I, I I haven't heard anything good. Let's put it that way. Um, now I I mean I'm. You know I'm if I was talking about my degrees of separation right now I'm about two or maybe one no one degree of separation one and a half I'm not at six. I just I frankly I, I almost don't care to be honest with you and that sounds probably mean but screw it up as much as possible like you need it it like it's like it almost like needs to break completely at this point and start over. Um, and I think that's it's a manifestation of, of what's happening. The players are they're they're holding strong, which I give them credit for, because what keeps happening is the league keeps coming back with proposals that are they they act like they're they're you know they're they're trying, but the proposals aren't close. Because if they add a piece here, then they take away somewhere else, and if they add a piece, so that's what I was just gonna say. It's they're they're very tit for tat. Where it's like yeah. we're gonna buy if we give you this, then you got to give us that. When they're so far apart that yeah. it, you can't you can't negotiate in the minutia right now, and that's they're just it's like philosophical differences at this point. 
Yeah, and it's just like so for the last twenty years since the since the strike ninety five, the last five four CBAs that got signed or whatever, it, it uh, they've been they've leaned heavily toward the owner, right toward the team, and and the problem was the pl- the players saw the top line number going up, right? Like the top salary kept going up, and so they 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 were lenient on a lot of other stuff from whether it be service time and arbitration and league minimum salaries and things like that. But what's what's continued to happen is that the the revenues for teams have skyrocketed and it's not translating into dollars that are that are being given to the players. And ultimately like the core economics are the the root of everything. But I the league had gotten to the point where they were just so used to getting what they wanted because they were you know, there were two chess moves ahead or whatever. So mm-hmm. um, there's a, there's so much stuff about players being greedy right now. And I, it's an, it's frustrating to see it because people look at it like there's big numbers on the table. Most of the people reading these stories would love to be making that kind of money, but it's an imbalance in turn. Like if, if you worked at any job and this was happening, you'd be doing the same thing. Especially the if fun- there was a union involved and you had and you had some power. The funny thing is, is... Like if you were a sales rep and you increased revenues by X amount, you would want a piece of that because you're creating it. The funniest part is that Max Scherzer and Francisco Lindor and, and the guys that are in the trenches right now in these meetings are the first ones that should go, yeah, let's just play. Because they're making 35 and 40 million per. And I give Scherzer a ton of credit because he's always fighting for the other guy, right? Max has made uh, God knows how much money, uh, over $200 million in his career, right? Like, he doesn't have anything to worry about. He he should be wanting to go out and pitch and trying to win a World Series and ride off in the sunset at some point. But Max is fighting for the other guys, and that's what the, the public doesn't understand, that you're fighting for the other guys. You're fighting for the guys that are, you know, not going to get more than a year or two of service time. You're fighting for the guys that are pre-arbitration you're fighting for the guys that that came up in, in the difficult situations and you know you want to you want to vilify these the players for this it's like how much money you need to make well how about the guy that doesn't have a college degree and got drafted out of high school or came from the dominican republic and you know he gets one opportunity to play in the big leagues and really do the thing that he's really good at in his life and you know you're not going to allow him to create to, to leverage that into enough money to hopefully take care of himself for three, four, five years to be able to to start a family and, and get his feet on the ground after baseball's over. That's yeah. It's not like there's a. It's not like these. You can't play this game forever. And there, there's a whole bunch of other issues too, where like the baseball manipulation, like they bought Major League Baseball bought Rawlings, and then there's stories about them making the ball more jumpy when starting pitchers were on the free agent market. Making the ball less jumpy when the hitters were on the starting on the on the market. So there's a, there's a bunch of stuff. It starts from the minor leagues. There's just there's a lot of imbalance in how tre- how players are treated, how the the market gets manipulated with with service time. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of issues. I didn't think about any of them before I got there either. When I first got there, I was like, man, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm happy to be there. The- and then you start to pay attention while you're there, and you go, wait a minute, time out. So. That's that's the the benefit of having a union is you organize and you can, in theory, fight for more appropriate it's also rights. Difficult. 
it's very very difficult right because you're trying to get 30 personalities or uh, uh, you know 750 or whatever with the 40 minutes 1200 people on the same page with you know your your representation where the owner's got to get 30 and really the owners are pretty uninvolved it's the it's that that executive committee with the with major league baseball that's really pulling all the strings because at the end of the day you know maybe there's three or four owners that are heavily involved and and that's about it but i think it's um, crazy too that there's uh there's pitchers coming back from injuries that are on 40-man rosters that can't train with their their teams right now there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that labor negotiations it's tough it's this is a purely business situation, but it's it's damaging to a lot of people, and it'd be it's damaging. It'd be nice game. if they could just figure it out, and that's they that's gained what, a lot of goodwill. They they gained a lot of goodwill last year because when baseball came back and fans were in the stands and they didn't have to cut the season, it was last year was like a, a, a massive step in the right direction for baseball. I felt like, um, short of the stupid stuff that Major League Baseball did with the baseballs and. Uh, all the other crap, um, but you know we'll see. We'll see where it leads. I don't. I mean, I don't think Major League Baseball is going to break. Um, I don't think it's ever going to not be a sport. But you know, be interesting. A lot, a lot. I, do you anticipate how many games do you think will be played this year? I can easily see one forty. I could see it dropping to one twenty if this if this matters. Um, uh, yeah. I what's mean, your I What's your percentage chance of a 162 game season right now? Zero. I, I I've been fully convicted that zero was the number from the beginning. How many How many games until it starts hurting the owners? Zero. Uh, infinity. Uh, it's not infinity, it's but hey, really, it's really tough to it's tough to answer that question, right? Because is there inherent value in a baseball team? Can it create top line revenue if they're not playing payer salaries? if they're not paying player salaries like what how does top line revenue come in tv deals like all those things like yeah how, do you, are they making money on jersey sales are they making money on on content there was and, a huge wave last night of people on twitter saying cancel your mlb tv package because the auto renew hits yeah so yeah where's money coming in from is the question right what are their revenue streams outside of ticket sales and tv rights um and are they are they sustaining their executive and and management salaries right their 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 cost of doing business right now um you know i how much does it affect them well is the valuation of the organization going to go down well that depends on fan engagement moving forward right like you you can't put a number on how much a team's worth until you know what they're creating so it's a lot of intricate crap but it, it'll hurt no matter what like it'll hurt to let's put it this way as long as the owners have a postseason um they should be okay no matter what well and they're pushing for a, a very expanded playoff format as well yeah so that's that that's do they get they is there uh is there how do, what are the economics of a, of a postseason is it all because they have all their their regular season contracts for all the TV and then like different like TBS jumps in the fold, Fox jumps in the fold for playoffs. Is are those negotiated separately or is it at a time? Yeah, and separately. Yeah. Yes, for sure, separately. Like I think TBS paid like a I want to say it was like a billion dollars to have rights to So I'd imagine those games have much higher viewership 
and if you expand the number of games, you can make more money. For sure. And by the way, those organizations still all get to sell beer for those extra, you know, however many games it is. Yeah. And I would imagine there's a huge bump in uh, jersey sales and... Ticket prices. Everything goes up at that point in time. Yeah. So Interesting. All right. Well... Interesting. Probably not a good time for a that accent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Skip that. Next. Wrap it up. <laughs> nice light show. We got a nice light show today. We don't need to go heavy at the end. Wrap it up. It was good. On that note, smell you later. Pickle out.